go ahead, shake that jar of sprinkles and celebrate your role as a mom. I'm Stephanie Fleece. And I'm Michelle Fortin with City Moms Blog Network. And our hope is that the next 40 minutes or so bring a smile to your face, a skip to your step, and a sprinkle or two to your mundane. This is Just Add Sprinkles, celebrating motherhood, a podcast by City Moms Blog Network. Welcome back, friends. We are thrilled to bring you another episode of Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood. We sure are. And in this episode, we're talking about you. You'll hear a really interesting story from a mom in our community about boobs. Yep. (laughs) That's right. We're talking about breast health and breast cancer prevention. So October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month after all. And so I've got to ask Michelle... Do you routinely check your for lumps? You know, I do. I actually had a lump um, when I was just out of college, and it ended up being benign. So mm-hmm. I've had that experience, and I I know how to check for lumps, and and I do do it. It's not my favorite thing, but I do the in the shower with my arm up and the rotation. How about you? <laughs> well, quick question about that. Yeah. So, were you checking for lumps in college? No. I was not. Um, I my family doctor found it in a routine okay. annual visit, sure, which obviously made me super nervous. And yeah. um, within a week, I had my because they they did the test to see if it was a cyst, which is what they always do. They stick a needle in your boob to see if it's a cyst that they can drain mm-hmm. or if it's a tumor. So it was a tumor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got me into surgery right away, but it was the size of a walnut, pretty big. Wow! But it was benign, so. I've been, huh. you know, I haven't had any other lumps or anything since then. So sure. Well, I do routinely check for lumps, but um, yeah, in the shower with my hand up, yep. the standard, you know, like what they tell you to do. Yes. Uh, and admittedly, I'm, you know, incredibly fortunate that uh, I've never found anything to date. So at 35, uh, I know. Allison spoke to this, but they do suggest, right, that you do your first mammograms at 35 now rather than 40. I think so. Yes, I think so. I had to have, uh, I can't remember why, but I had to have my first one kind of early, like my late 30s, and it was fine. And then now I'm over 40, so I have to go every year. Um, But I have a funny story about that. I I had um, my mammogram earlier this year. I remember my birthday is in February. And uh, and I kept (laughs) calling. I kept calling it a mastectomy. I don't know why. I guess <laughs> mammogram, mastectomy, same thing. Yeah. No, not really. Not exactly. And but I kept calling it that. So people would say, "Oh, can you meet on this day or whatever?" Like, "Uh, look at my calendar. Oh, I can't. I have my mastectomy that day." They're like, "Your what?" And I was like, "My mastectomy. You know, the annual mastectomy." They're like, "Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know about the annual mastectomy." I was like, "Oh, shoot, mammogram." And I told my husband, "Oh, I have my mastectomy today, honey." He's like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, mammogram. I I even walked to the doctor's office and told him I was there to check in for my mastectomy. I don't know why I had it in my head. Like, for some reason, I just locked onto that word, but it was comical. They're like, no, you're not, ma'am. You're here for your mammogram. Like, girl, right, mammogram, that. mastectomy, corn huskers, corn hunger. <laughs> maybe, maybe the next episode should be about, like, early dementia or something. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, uh, that's hilarious. I admittedly have not confused those terms. I'm <laughs> have pre- you had I'm a mammogram? Clear on them. 
Um, I have not had a mammogram. So actually, that's why I was asking for clarification because, you know, Dr. Michelle Fortin um, should know if I should get one at 35 or 40. Yeah, Michelle, <laughs> Michelle should know that. My dad's a doctor, but I'm not a doctor. I, well, I say, I mean, my whole thing, and, and Allison's going to talk about this, and we'll debrief after we our listeners listen to your conversation with her. But, you know, I don't know why, you know, the more the better as far as testing. Obviously, insurance needs to cover it and, you know, um, all that. But, I mean, it's mammograms are not that big of a deal. I know some people say that they're painful. I have not had any pain with a mammogram. It's, you know, if you're not comfortable being exposed um, in front of a healthcare professional, that might be uncomfortable. But most of us listening have had children. So we've been very exposed to healthcare professionals. Yes, more parts than just our boobs. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if you if you a breastfeeding mom, you know a lot of people have seen your boobs. So let's be honest, it's really not that big of a deal. But it really wasn't that painful, and it was a really simple, fast procedure, and um, it was in and out, and it was just nice to have that peace of mind that you know everything looks good in that area because it can sure be scary. If they find something. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, we have a mom, as we've been referencing, um, Allison in our City Moms Blog Network community, who had to make a really hard decision about her own breast health after finding out she had a genetic predisposition to cancer, breast cancer in particular. Allison Mack is the co-founder and owner of Austin Moms Blog and decided to move forward with a controversial procedure, a preventative mastectomy. Yes, and you are going to hear all about it. And so let's go to my interview with her. Hey, Allison. Welcome to the Just Add Sprinkles podcast. Hi, Steph. How are you doing today? I am doing awesome. Well, for those of you that are listening, Allison and I have, how many years have we known each other now? Seven? Seven. Seven, probably and a half at this point, but yes. I I love the accuracy. Seven and a half. (laughs) Well, we we decided to launch Austin Mom's blog in the summer and didn't actually kick things off until October 1st. So we just hit our one year, or I'm sorry, seven year anniversary. Yeah. Well, Allison, uh, as she mentioned, is the co-founder and owner of one of our sister sites, Austin Mom's blog. And this girl, she might be tiny in frame, but I would not (laughs) want to meet her in a dark alley. Oh, stop it. (laughs) You are fierce. I'm serious. Well, I just, uh, I'm a girl that, that knows what I want and I'm, I'm definitely opinionated, but you know, all in good fun and hopefully I still have a sweet natured heart too. You do. I should have, I should have clarified that. <laughs> like it would be a rough beating because you totally beat me because of your fierceness, but it would be done like in sweet Texas, like love. <laughs> My husband tells me all the time I went into the wrong profession. He's like, you should have been an attorney. You're so argumentative. And I'm like, you know, but my argument is correct. Like I'm accurate in what I'm saying. So, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay. So you've got some kiddos. Uh, tell everybody about uh, a little bit about your family. Yeah. So I have three children. Um, we've got Lincoln who is eight years old and he's in second grade and you know, the, the second grade homework, oh my gosh, it's not for the faint of heart. It is so much work. Um, kindergarten is my, my little Townsend, my little middle. Um, and then I've got a two and a half year old. Her name is Larkin Elizabeth, AKA baby doll. And she is a baby doll. We we love her and it's so much fun. When I tuck her in at night, I tell her, I'm like, you are my baby doll because she's starting to go through that phase where she wants to sleep with her babies, which of course I love. It's it's super precious and yeah, she's my my living baby doll. I get to dress up. And especially because you started with two boys. So how is life with a little girl now? 
You know, it's uh, it's completely different. And Steph, I mean, you've got three little girls, so yes. you don't know what it's like to have the, the mayhem of boys. And I just assumed that when I was pregnant with my third that we would have another boy. I just figured, you know, I was just meant to be a boy mom. But um, it, it's, it completely changed. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many different issues that come up and, you know, changing diapers. And my husband will be like, this doesn't look right. And I don't know what to do. And, you know, just everything is, everything is different um, in the parenting perspective too, not just how I treat her, but also how, you know, my husband interacts with her. He's used to being a little rough with the boys. And I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, you're hurting her feelings. Like you can't say that to little girls. And yeah, well, I, you're right. I do not have any little boys. I just have three girls, but, um, I can imagine like I have plenty of little boys in my life that oftentimes I'm like, Oh my, they are so different. <laughs> They are. They're they're rowdy. You know, my my um, middle son Townsend. He just fell off of his bike a couple of days ago, and so we spent Sunday afternoon in the emergency room with ah. a concussion. Uh, parenting fail. Make sure your kids have their bicycle helmets on. We did not grow up wearing bicycle helmets, you know, as kids. So you just it's those things you take for granted. You're like, oh, we didn't do it, and so we have the bicycle helmets, but we very rarely make them put them on. And he's just now starting to learn how to ride his bike. He is okay, but had to sit to make sure his brain was rested. Oh my goodness. That's kind of intense. That's having a boy. That's like, that's boy life. Hashtag boy mom. <laughs> <laughs> now we're, t tell me like what your demeanor is in the ER with your son in that situation. Are you like crazy anxious? Are you like calm and collected? I'm just curious. What do you do? I am very do? calm and collected. I'm, I'm the type of mom, I, I would say that I tend to think everything is okay. Um, you know, my, my daughter fell out of her high chair about eight months ago, which now I'm feeling like I'm starting to sound like a bad parent, but she fell out of her high chair and we also had to go to the emergency room, but it took, it, I guess she probably started vomiting four times before I finally took her. I was like, okay, there is something wrong here. I definitely need to go. So I think I err on the side of everything's going to be all right. Um, until it's, it's very obvious, like things are not all right. So, um, yeah, when he was walking sideways, we, we decided, okay, that's not normal. He needs to go to the emergency room. So, Oh, girl. Girl, you, you <laughs> earned – I like to uh, think of motherhood as Girl Scouts in a weird way in that, like, there's certain rites of passage in motherhood that, earn, that you earn a badge. <laughs> you know? And I feel like anytime you have to take your first – or second, or any of your kids to the ER, it deserves some sort of little badge on your no, Girl I, Scout fest. I couldn't agree more, and I do. I love that. And, you know, I'm just knocking on wood. We haven't had any broken bones yet. But you're still calm and collected, so you say. Yeah, I try. I, love it. I try. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, so Allison and I could talk about a ton of things, um, certainly about her growing business in Austin, uh, about, I mean, all of the community that you've developed with Austin Moms Vlog. Uh, for those of you that are listening that are from Austin and do not know about Austin Moms Vlog, you better go check it out because it's amazing what Allison and her team are up to. But uh, as many of you know, October is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I brought Allison on specifically to share her story um, about uh, her family and her decision uh, to do a double mastectomy a year and a half ago. And so let's go to Allison reading a post that she wrote on Austin Mom's blog, and then we'll circle back and talk a little bit more about it. There are only a few things I truly fear in life. Driving in the rain, scorpions, and dying too young to watch my children grow. 
My sister was diagnosed a couple of years ago with stage 1A breast cancer. I remember telling several people that if I were ever put in her shoes, I'd have a mastectomy because at the end of the day, they're just boobs, right? The backstory. Thanks to my hero of a sister, I found out in 2015 that I am also a genetic carrier for what's called CHECK2, similar to the very well-known BRCA gene, but slightly less scary. Also considered a newer genetic mutation, so not quite as much research on the genetic marker either. Either way, this gene, plus my sister having developed breast cancer at such an early age, put me at a significantly higher risk rate than the average woman. My prognosis would be to double up on screening. Watching my sister endure a lumpectomy, radiation, and ultimately a double mastectomy made a huge impact on me. I practically lost my sister for a period of time due to this disease. I didn't and still don't fully understand everything she went through, and for the first time in our lives, there was a disconnect. She immersed herself in the cancer community, becoming a counselor to other women, supported Breast Cancer Resource Center, and walked in Austin's art bra. As an art bra volunteer, I got to see firsthand how cancer had affected these women. Some had no hair. Some had no nipples. Most had mastectomies, but all of them were survivors. It was such a beautiful experience, but still, it was easy to be 50 shades removed from cancer, even with my sister going through all of this, because at the end of the day, it wasn't me. Here it is. One week ago, I had a double mastectomy. Today, I get to sit here from my cozy bed while my husband makes all of the decisions in our life so that I can heal from having my perfectly healthy breasts cut off of my body due to a genetic predisposition. Following my oncologist's recommendation, I had my first MRI where I learned that there was a lesion on my left breast, which meant I would need a biopsy. It took weeks to schedule, but I was finally able to have it done, and thankfully, I was cancer-free, and the lesion was nothing more than normal breast tissue. Since we found out I was a check 2 carrier, my husband and I started to have really serious conversations about what the probability data was telling us. We came to the ultimate decision after meeting with one of the most aggressive and educated oncologists in Austin. I nor my husband will never forget her saying that if she was 35, had a sister with breast cancer, was a check 2 gene carrier, that she would scoop her breast tissue out with a spoon herself. And so, here we are. Going to an oncology center, you definitely witness what cancer does to people. My experience was no different in the lobby of Texas Oncology. There are patients that are receiving chemo. There are patients that are brand new like me. They're young. They're old. They're male. They're female. Cancer leaves nobody out. As fate would have it, I had a choice. So many women don't have that luxury and are faced with breast cancer and potentially metastatic cancer later on in life, which for those who are not up and up with cancer lingo has no cure. Now, who knows what the future holds for me, but the one thing I do know is that I have taken every step possible to prevent breast cancer. Sure, there's still a small chance that I could develop cancer, but it's significantly lower than it would be if I had done nothing. Recovery has been fairly easy at this point, but no doubt this is a big surgery. I stayed in the hospital one night and have since caught up on six years of sleep deprivation at home with the help of pain medication and muscle relaxers. I'm ridiculously lucky to have an amazing support system around me that is constantly encouraging me and validating my decision to move forward with this surgery. While my journey is not over and I still face the reconstruction process, I am at peace with my new body for now. So if you can take anything away from my story, please, please get your mammogram. It is no longer recommended to wait until you are 40 to 45. If you're at least 35, start now. Consider genetic testing to see if you are at a higher risk. 
one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. Mastectomies are no joke, but neither is cancer. You can have drains anywhere from one to four weeks. I was lucky as mine were all removed yesterday, exactly one week post-surgery. I no longer have breasts. My sternum sticks out further than my chest. I originally had two drains coming out on each side of me with fluid that had to be measured multiple times a day and squeezed out of the tubing, thanks to my husband. My nipples were spared but have the risk of dying, so they're dark and they're weird looking. I have no feeling in my chest and I may never. I have incisions around my nipples and across my chest and I've been living in my recovery brobe for the past week. With every story though, there's a silver lining. My silver lining is I don't have cancer. I'll get new breasts that my surgeon promises me will look like 18-year-old boobs again. And I stuck with my decision regardless of how hard it was to make. I still have a lot of decisions that I plan to face head-on. I use the latest research, very intelligent doctors, prayers, and conversations with loved ones to make this prophylactic decision to remove my breasts and reduce the constant fear. I'm at peace with my decision. You got to talk to me about this. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I um, wasn't sure if it was something I wanted to put out into the universe. And I was under the, the fog of coming out of anesthesia. And I, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to document it. But I knew that that very next day I was going to be having my final drains removed. I contacted our photographer that we've been working with in Austin for, gosh, five or so years. And she dropped everything and came over to my house. And, um, you know, I... I put on makeup, I did my hair, I wanted to still feel like myself, um, but we did, we did it all. We did bare chested, some more, you know, less revealing images, and um, my husband and I looked at them and tried to decide which ones did I want to put out into the universe, and we felt like we were serving, or that I was putting out the, the story without necessarily showing it all. And so the images that we included in that blog post are impactful. Yes, um, paint a, a picture, but of course, you know, they don't tell the whole story. They don't tell the story of women that are literally dying every day from breast cancer. And I'm grateful that I, I had this opportunity, um, you know, to be able to take the bull by the horns and meet, meet it in the back alley, as you said, and, and kind of conquer mm. it. Well, uh, you know, the statistics around breast cancer are crazy in that, you know, one in eight women essentially um, will likely be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. And Mm -hmm. obviously your post spoke specifically about your sister. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about walking, what that was like walking alongside of her during her journey. You know, it was, um, it was a life changing time for not just her. I mean, obviously it was huge for her as well, but it was life changing for everybody. Um, you know, I remember when she first said that they found something and then she had to go through the process of finding out, well, was this something, something to be scared about? Even when she came back and it was stage 1A, I was like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Um, It's going to be great. But when she started talking about her options, I remember telling her, I said, you know, what is the point in keeping them? And I remember she told me, Allison, it's it's only stage 1A. They, They just need to do a lumpectomy and there's no reason to be that aggressive. And I was like, you know, if it were me, I would just be done with them. Um, It changed us in the fact that, you know, our... 
our day-to-day conversations were no longer lighthearted and about fashion and candles that we were going to buy for our house. And it was about what she was going through. Um, and it, it changed her marriage. It changed her kids. Um, so it was, it, it was definitely life-changing for everyone. Mm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when you decided to get uh, testing for yourself uh, upon you know, receiving your sister's diagnosis. So when my sister received her diagnosis, you know, you immediately get teamed up with an oncologist and, um, and a team of of resources and and people that are putting you in touch with the, um, the right group to be able to, to get everything taken care of. Um, so when she went to her oncologist, you know, they said, you know, we should probably, at this point she had already, um, had her lumpectomy and I believe had gone through radiation. Um, but they decided to go ahead and do genetic testing on her and her genetic testing came back that she carried the gene that I mentioned in the blog post called check two. At that time, there was even less information about it than there is now. And there still is not a ton of information about it. Um, check two makes you predisposed to breast cancer as well as colon cancer. Once that genetic testing came back, um, it was very clear to her that she was at a much higher percentage to having reoccurrence. And if it's a reoccurrence, as we know, it's metastatic. And so um, at that point, it made sense for the family to get tested. And everyone kind of struggled with it. You know, my dad didn't want to get tested. My mom was all about it. We needed to know where the gene came from. So it wasn't just about, okay, my sister's been tested. It was like, well, where did it come from? Did it come from our father's side? Because if it came from his side, you know, do other people need to be tested? Um, So ultimately, my mother was the next person who got tested. And she was the genetic carrier for it. And um, it just made sense. There was a 50% chance that I wouldn't have it. So I was holding on to that 50% chance. And um, it came back within about six weeks that I would also carried the gene. Um, and I really, I don't know, it didn't face me. I was like, well, you know, it just kind of is what it is. What am I going to do about it? There's no sense in being stressed. I can't change the course of my DNA. Um, so I chose not to be crazy bothered by it. Um, but I did know that I was going to have to have a, an appointment with our oncologist um, to just kind of find out like, well, what does this mean for me? Uh, what resulted from that very first baseline MRI was so stressful. I mean, it was the only time that I truly felt broken and and really wanted to cry about the whole situation. Um, because at the time, you know, I was also probably hormonal. I had a, a two month old, I believe at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot, it was a lot to handle. Well, Understandably so. So you go in for your appointment, and at that point, you know that you're a carrier. Uh, yes. So does the oncologist just give you some options? Like, I mean, what what did that appointment look like? She went over the odds and what it meant for me, statistically speaking, to be the check two carrier. Uh, what it meant for my kids, because it's not just me; it's also my children that have to have a fifty percent chance of now being carriers. And um, really, she wanted to start with that baseline MRI. What does the breast tissue look like, um, so that we had something to go off of, um, you know, for the the screenings that I would continue to receive. And I did know day one that um, after that meeting with her that I would be needing to be screened every six months. So at that time, gosh, I'm 37 now. I was probably 34, 35. Uh, so I'm now 35 years old and, and being told that I'm going to have a mammogram um, every year and then every 
so like basically every June I'd have the mammogram and then every um, January I'd have an MRI. So every six months essentially I was having some type of screaming, screening, whether it was an MRI or a mammogram. So I knew that day one. Then when did you decide to go forward with the double mastectomy? You know, and they just call you and it's so nonchalant. Um, well, we did find something, you know, on your left breast um, about, you know, such and such millimeters. They kind of describe it to you. Uh, we're going to need you to come back in uh, so that we can take a better look at it. Um, and so I think what I did next was a mammogram. They tried to see it on a mammogram and real mammogram and realized like they could not see it. Um, and so at that point they decided they needed to do the MRI guided biopsy. So that is, if anyone has never been through an MRI, um, it is very, very claustrophobic. Um, it takes a lot out of you emotionally. You have to lay there and be super still. I swear they need to be telling you, like counting down, like, hey, we've only got a minute left because you're just thinking how much longer is this going to be? And it's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but they did that MRI guided biopsy. And fortunately, the results that came from that were positive. Um, it, was, it was nothing more than just fatty breast tissue. So there was nothing to be worried about. And I would continue with my screening, um, every six months and they were going to notate that spot so that, you know, if it popped up again, that they would know. But, um, I went back to my oncologist of course afterwards. And we, we talked about, you know, what it meant at this point for me to have gone through that emotionally mm -hmm. and how that made me feel. And she said, you know, remember to this day, she said, if I were you and I had the, the DNA that you have with a sister that had breast cancer at a young age, because she was just over 40 when she was diagnosed, she said, I would scoop my breast tissue out with a spoon myself. So that there told me right, you know, right then and there that this professional who all she does is live and breathe cancer diagnosis every day and is very prevalent in the breast cancer community, do the surgery. And I couldn't handle the stress. It was just too much. I and mean, we have enough stress as being being parents, um, let alone being a, a business owner and you know juggling and, and wearing all of these different hats that I just couldn't handle it. And um, they had done their job. Ultimately, my breasts had done what they were intended to do, and it was time to move on from them. I love that you just say it so matter of fact. Like I, <laughs> you made this decision and you were moving forward. Now, how receptive was your family? Like. Your, certainly your husband, your mom, that it sounds like, you know, was pro looking into your genetic makeup. Uh, I'd love to hear about their response. Yeah. So my mom obviously felt a lot of guilt. She felt a lot of guilt that she had passed this gene down to us. They're like, mom, someone passed it down to you. Like, it's not your fault. And, you know, and so she, she struggled with the guilt. Um, my sister, you know, our relationship changed a lot after her cancer diagnosis, I think ultimately, you know, being that she's the, the older sister, she's had to, she's had a lot of burdens being the older sister. And I've got, I've had the opportunity to kind of, um, look at what has gone on in her life and like fix things and change things. And hopefully she values being an older sister the same way. So in a way I was very grateful to her. I mean, obviously incredibly sad that she had to have a cancer diagnosis, but was also grateful that I was able to know early on. Um, so she was very supportive of my decision and, and totally understood. And I think, you know, if she could have had that same nugget of knowledge would have probably made the same decision. Right. And 
for my husband. Um, I mean, yeah, he went through his, this is probably way too much information, but he went through like his mourning stage, you know, where it was, he was going to miss them and never, you know, see them again. And I mean, I know that sounds really crazy, but it is like you're losing a limb in a way. So I think he struggled with it for sure more than I did. Um, you know, after breastfeeding three babies, I figured having the surgery had to make them look better. I was looking again, like, I'm like, silver lining you know not very many women get to have a breast augmentation and have it covered by insurance so again silver lining you know looking at the positive side of it um you know he he knows that he it would be a struggle to to walk through life without me and he wants me to be healthy and um ultimately he was totally on board yeah now that you transitioned that well because I was going to ask like what was your recovery like? I feel like when I put out there how easy it was I'm almost putting out a false sense of reality but the fact of the matter is because I was healthy because I was young because I didn't have cancer my recovery was incredibly simple mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what makes it so different um, you know not even a year later my best friend was diagnosed with breast cancer so you know you talk about that one in eight mm -hmm. and it's just alarming how, you know, it touched two people that are so incredibly close and important to me in just such a short period. But, you know, I, I kept telling her, like, you've got this. It's such an easy surgery. Like, you know, just, you know, you can do it. And then she ended up having a totally different experience that was not as seamless and easy as mine. Mm -hmm. So I do have to to say that it does make a difference of your circumstances and your attitude. And for me, this was something that I got to decide. Mm -hmm. And women who are diagnosed with breast cancer don't feel that way. They don't feel like, oh, I got to make this great decision for myself. So I think that is a, a huge part of it. But this, the, the surgery was intense, no doubt. You know, you've got drains coming out of your body. My husband had to keep a running, you know, tab of, of how much fluid I was losing to determine when I could have my drains removed. You know, I had to have him help me take a shower because I couldn't raise my arms over my head. I couldn't even reach to get a glass out of the cupboard. Um, I was in bed for, gosh, a solid three to four days. Um, and then finally started, you know, getting up and doing things that make me happy, which is crazy as it sounds, is just drying my hair and then curling my hair and putting my makeup on. Like just those things I would do throughout the day made me feel better. And um, yeah, I mean, but by day six, I was at church. I was at church on Sunday. Uh -huh. I'll never forget my husband. It would just happen to be that we ran into the pastor and you know, you don't, at our church, or it's a very large church, we don't see our pastor all the time. This particular Sunday, we happened to run into him and we're shaking his hand. And my husband, Wesley was like, well, um, Allison just had her double mastectomy last week. And I remember thinking about is not, you know, he's trying not to look at my lack of breasts, but so that was really embarrassing. But, um, <laughs> but I was at church on Sunday and got my final drains out one week later. Very lucky. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you did mention this because, um, admittedly, while what you went through was incredible, you know, and took incredible bravery to make that choice and to, uh, to go into surgery with, to your point, you know, like optimism, uh, they're one in eight people, women don't have that choice. They don't have a choice to do this. They walk through, walk the breast cancer journey, which is so, so difficult. Uh, and so I'm glad that you mentioned that though, because, you know, we certainly do not want to make light of, um, the pain and, you know, 
suffering that people go through uh, in that terrible disease. Yeah, no, I feel like what I went through is, is pale in comparison. Um, but I do think it's important to talk about being proactive. You know, everyone is, is talking about, you know, wear pink and, and bring breast cancer awareness to light. And people are aware, like people know, you know, how important it is. But it's also, what can we do to prevent ever getting breast cancer? And, okay. you know, these genetic tests are becoming um, easier and easier easier to access. I know that the BRCA gene, I mean, there's a ton of research around that and it's a much more well-known gene and genetic mutation than what I have. Um, so I think that if we can do more screening earlier, like no longer is it recommended at 40, it's recommended at 35. So the more we can do early on to understand um, and, and also you know, eat better and treat our bodies better, I think bring that gap to where it's no longer one in eight. Hmm. Now, admittedly, I have not... Um walked alongside of friends or family uh, that have experienced breast cancer. Now, some people uh, from afar, but it does sound like you have a couple friends, uh, one on your team and then your sister. Uh, do you have any thoughts of, you know, ways to best support women in our lives that may be going through it? It's so hard because there's nothing you can say. Um, that can make it better. There just really isn't. Um, I know that with uh, the person on our team that was diagnosed, I just tried to tell her like, yeah, this sucks. Like there's nothing I can say that's going to make this better. You know, if she asked for advice, I gave it. If she didn't, I tried not to. Because um, again, my experience is, is you know, not necessarily going to be her experience. Mm -hmm. You know, fortunately for me, I, and having been through it with my sister, I, I of resources and places to to be able to point um, friends and family members. And in Austin, there's the Breast Cancer Resource Center, which is an amazing organization that, that does this huge fundraiser every year called Art Bra. And I was so happy to see that our team member, um, you know, started participating in the Breast Cancer Resource Center's initiatives and walked in Art Bra, which is an amazing cause where you get to wear these fabulous bras that are made by all of these, you know, there's like a local jeweler that puts it together a big bra and they auction them off. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun and, and brings, um, I guess, brings awareness to it, but at the same time, like allows people to feel like they have a voice while they're going through this and also look at the bright side of things. Um, so I don't know, that's not like some huge nugget of wisdom there to, to say this is how you could support people. But I think just being there when people need it mm -hmm. and, and knowing to kind of back off when maybe they don't. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think even just saying like, this sucks. Yeah. Like that sucks. Uh, rather, I think sometimes we don't know what to say. And so people don't say anything and then right. they just back off and, you start to lose a relationship in some regards out of fear for saying the wrong thing where right. like a simple, like, I am so sorry. That sucks is fine. Yeah. You know, no, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Allison, thank you for sharing your story um, with our listeners and certainly with me. Uh, I, Love that you are speaking about your experience and sharing your sister's story as well as your friends. And um, yeah, just thank you for being really honest and authentic with us.
Yeah, thank you for having me talk about this story. I think, like I said, it's important to, um, you know, tell as many stories as possible, whether it's about a breast cancer journey or, or even like mine, where it's like, hey, I didn't have breast cancer, but here was my story. And, you know, because there's a lot more people that are going through this as well um, and doing these prophylactic double mastectomies. And I think that should be um, talked about as well and celebrated. Okay, so M Michelle, I've got to ask, would you make the same decision? that Allison made. I 100% would make the same decision that she made. Like without question, kind of like Allison had no question. Like that's what she did. Yeah, no, without question. I like her uh, like her doctor said in the in the blog post that she read, like she would scoop out her breast tissue with a spoon. Like I would get those off so fast. And yeah. I know it's major surgery and it, you should think it out, you know, think it out thoroughly and talk with a lot of different specialists to make the right decision for you. But for me, it would be a no brainer. I would, I would want my, a mastectomy and, um, and move on to some, hopefully you get some perky new ones. I mean, that's part of the yeah, deal, right? You get some perky new friends. Uh, you would assume so. They're not going to give you saggy ones. <laughs> <laughs> hey doctor, I would like mine size A and saggy. <laughs> Can you just make it look like I've nursed a few children? That's really what I'm going for. Yeah, no one does that. Yeah. <laughs> what well, about you, Steph? Would you do the same thing? You know, I, if I knew, yes, I would. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of on the fence on, like, if I would want to know if I had that genetic predisposition. Because as Allison mentioned, you know, it would just make me feel a little bit guilty, although understandably so it's not my fault like if I pass that down to my own kids mm -hmm. you know I don't yeah. know there's just a lot to consider when you have children too yes. that I found to be really a fascinating part of our conversation yeah and I guess I haven't I've never been tested for the gene it has been offered to me because my mom is a survivor of ovarian cancer hmm. um, and she had a hysterectomy um, when I was very young um, but you know with more advancements in cancer treatment and whatnot, um, the cancer that she had was very minor and they mm -hmm. wouldn't have taken such drastic measures today. And I have been clear and we don't have any other history of ovarian or breast cancer in our family. So right. I think we're in the clear, but, um, but yeah, no, I haven't had the test. So I guess that begs the question, like, you know, if you're, if I'm so adamant that I would get it done, like Allison did, shouldn't I get the genetic test? And, you know, maybe I will talk about that. Yeah. Well, keep us informed on that. And, you know, I think it's important for the two of us just to stop to mention that Allison's uh, situation, while unique and um, brave of Allison, uh, pales in comparison to so many women that are diagnosed with breast cancer and had no choice in the yes. matter. Uh, and so I just want to make sure that the two of us stop to acknowledge uh that there are likely many listeners that are either directly impacted or have um, immediate family members that are uh, really struggling with this disease or worse, uh, have passed from it. And so, um, you know, our hearts go to you because oh, sure. that is incredibly challenging and difficult. Yes. It's been that we've talked about breast cancer so much these days because I feel like there have been so many advancements in detecting and early detection and so many success stories, but for every success story, there's still so many women who went before us um, and are currently suffering uh, with this disease. It's just really devastating. And so, yeah, definitely want to remember them. And those women who had to have mastectomies because of cancer, and in addition to that, had radiation or chemotherapy or both, and were just 
dealing with the, all the side effects of that, we definitely, our hearts go out to you. Um, if that's you in that situation or someone that you love. Yeah. Well, um, thank you all for joining us and a special thank you to Allison for being willing to share her story with us. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to read her post or more about her uh, story, you're certainly welcome to do so on, uh, Austin mom's blog. Uh, and until next time, mom, uh, schedule a mammogram. First of all, just do it. <laughs> and then reward yourself by making your health a priority with something sweet. And don't forget to just add sprinkles. For show notes and more information on this episode of Just Add Sprinkles Celebrating Motherhood, please visit citymomsblog.com. There, you can find more information on our topic, our guest, and our host. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to give a review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can keep encouraging moms to celebrate motherhood and just add sprinkles.